0: Everybody doing okay this morning? You all look great. You look wonderful. I tell you, I don't know about you, but after it's been raining for a couple of days, to go outside and to, to, to feel the sun is really life-giving, right? Uh, I, I hope that uh, all of you were safe in the um, rain-again that happened a couple nights ago. Did anybody get stranded out? Uh, was that Friday night that that happened with a deluge? um we Jeannie and I were out on a date and uh, our kids were at uh a place where they were being cared for um and we were on our way home after we got them and on the way home it was like a wasteland of low uh low you know riding cars being flooded out you know and of course we were okay cuz I was in our 2012 Chry- Chrysler Town and Country minivan and so we were ready for the elements We were in the swagger wagon. So um, anyway, I hope you're doing good. You know, last week we began a series, or a couple weeks ago, or last week we began a series called What is the Church? And uh, one thing that we do at our church is we have a training where we teach people to preach the scriptures because we don't want this to be just about me. Uh, and so we give opportunity to um, some of our people who take our preaching training to preach. And so last week, Matt Parrish preached and did a fantastic job. How many of you were here for that? Raise your hand if you are here for that. So a lot of you were. It was awesome, man. And uh, of course, some of, the, some of the best parts of a good message um, are humor. And, and he certainly used the opportunity to make fun of me. And, uh, and one of the things that he talked about was a great analogy. He talked about, as it relates to the church being a gathering of people who have a shared interest in Christ as the head and the body, uh, he said that people have lots of different affinity groups and any reference one, uh, which is hard to believe even exists called the bronies. You remember this? Raise your hand if you remember him talking about the bronies. Yeah. So it's basically a group of people who, um, group of men who love my little pony and dress up like my little pony. And, uh, and, I, th- and, you know, of course, he said, you know, I know about this because Russell tells me a lot about it because he's in it or whatever. And I was sitting right there laughing on the outside, but on the inside, beginning to think to myself, well, surely that group does not exist, you know. And, uh, and so I went and did a little research, and it turns out it does, does exist. And I even found a picture of a group of them. And uh, <laughs> look who's right there in the front middle. That is Matt Parrish, the guy who preached last week. And so, (laughs) truth be told, and he's not here to defend himself, which is okay. So I hope you'll pass the word along that Matt is, in fact, a Brony. Somebody came up to me, Albert came up to me before the service. He goes, hey, I want to get some information about the bronies. And so you'll know who to talk to. Talk to Matt Parrish, because apparently he was at the recent convention. Um, You know, I love talking about the church, um, and partly because I believe that the local church is God's primary uh, organization to, to herald um, the gospel. And the gospel message gives life. And so the local church is very important. And, and, and today what I want to talk to you about as it relates to you in your life in the context of the local church is the Holy Spirit. And uh, did you know that the very first church was launched with an incredible supernatural movement of God when the Holy Spirit was poured out into a group of believers who gathered. It's talked about in Acts chapter 2, Cameron read the verse. This event called Pentecost, where God's Spirit is poured onto these Christ followers and it prepares them to take the gospel message to the ends of the earth. And the Holy Spirit is a mysterious kind of a topic but you know, uh, it's important. The Bible reveals God as one being in three persons. So you're one being one person. Well, the Bible reveals God as one being in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Each of these three persons of God make up what we call the Trinity. Each part of God or each person of God is co-equal. In other words, they're equally God. Each is fully divine. But each part of God or each person of God has different roles in God's redemptive plan. Frequently when we talk about God, we're talking about the God-man, Jesus. But today what I want to do is talk to you about the Holy Spirit. Now, the topic of the Holy Spirit is for some confusing. You might say it's confusing, it's mysterious, it's hard to believe. And so I'm going to let other people like the scholars deal with this topic of the Holy Spirit. And although it's a complex kind of idea and very mysterious and mind boggling to say the least, it shouldn't keep you from trying to understand what the Holy Spirit is, what it does, how it works and all that. It's sort of like I've not allowed the complexity of my car to keep me from learning how it works so that I can use it to get from one point to the other. Right? and the longer I drive my car, the more I learn about it and its complexities and the more I understand how it gets me from point A to point B. So the complexities of the Holy Spirit should not intimidate us. It's it's accessible to all of you. And there may be some of you that are in here that are very new to the Christian faith. And maybe some of you have not yet stepped into belief in the Christian faith. Or heard the gospel in a way that was clear and compelling. So you've been willing to say, yes, I receive that. I'm willing to give my life to God, accepting God's love. But for all of us, the Holy Spirit is really, really, Important. Here is why. This is the main idea, the thrust of the message. You will only live the life God offers with the Holy Spirit. You hear that? You will, the only way you are going to live the life that God offers you is if the Holy Spirit is in you. Giving you life, transforming you, empowering you, and directing you. That's the only way. If you do not have the Spirit of God in you, you cannot live the kind of life that God has for you. And I know one thing about most of you, and that is that you want a meaningful life. You want the kind of life where when you're old and you are about to breathe your last breath, you can look back on your life and say, yes, I lived a life worth living. You need the Holy Spirit. Have you ever wanted to know God's plan for your life? Many of you are at the age, young in your professional careers, where you're sort of navigating this this thing called life, trying to take steps towards God's plan for your life. Well, you need the Holy Spirit. Have you ever struggled to resist temptation? I know I have. You need the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been Grieving, hurting, or suffering. We have some in our community right now that are hurting, that are suffering deeply. Have you ever needed comfort because of that grief? You need the Holy Spirit. Do you want to more fully understand Jesus? You need the Holy Spirit. Do you want God to use you for something remarkable? You need the Holy Spirit. You know, all three persons of the triune God are talked about in the Bible and have been involved in what God is doing since the beginning of time. Now, during the time of the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come onto, this is a bit of an oversimplification, but it's simple enough to understand. The Holy Spirit would come onto certain people at certain times for God's specific purpose. As an example, the Holy Spirit would come unto a person who would prophesy, speaking the words of God to a group of people on behalf of God, and it would be supernaturally inspired by God. So that is how the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament. He would come for a period of time, and then he would remove his presence and, and come for a period of time and remove his presence. So that's how it worked in the Old Testament. And that's how we see God playing out his redemptive plan for many years until we come to the point of the New Testament where the second person of the Trinity became a human and dwelt among us. The second person of the Trinity, what's his name? Oh, come on. That's a safe answer, people. What's his name? Good. Four of you. Uh, Very good. So it's Jesus. So the second person of the Trinity came. His name is Jesus. And here's something about Jesus. Jesus as the God-man lived a perfect, sinless life and eventually was crucified on a cross to pay for our sins. After three days on the cross, he was raised from the dead in this great declaration of God's power and a victory over death to give life to all those who will accept this great act of love and follow the way of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel message. This is the message we preach. After the resurrection, Jesus spent some time with those that understood him to be the Messiah at the degree to which they understood it, which is in a very small degree, and it grew over time. Uh, Then he ascended into heaven, and Jesus said near the end of his life that he needed to leave so that one could come, call the Holy Spirit, and his presence would be made manifest on the earth to demonstrate God's power. This is significant. So Jesus gone, Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit would be poured out onto humanity, would dwell in all Christians. So having the Holy Spirit in you is more powerful than having Jesus next to you. Think about that. In fact, in the very first, one of the very first sermons, Peter says this to a group of people, much like yourselves, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you are truly a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. This is Significant. There is something coursing through your veins that's more powerful in your life than if Jesus himself were here next to you in bodily form. This is incredible. In fact, the Bible says, if you do not have the Holy Spirit in you, then you are not a Christian. Romans 8, 9, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And the Holy Spirit in you is a seal in you or on you for a guarantee that you are God's child and that someday you will receive your full inheritance. Ephesians 1, 13, And when you believe in the Christ, he put his seal on you by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. It's sort of like in a, with a king and his kingdom. If a king had a seal, like a, something that he would... Uh, put his mark, used to put his mark on something that declared it as authoritative and never changing, always existing. Well, the Holy Spirit in you is a seal that you will someday receive the full inheritance of the fact that you're a child of God. So we know that the Holy Spirit is in you if you are in Christ, But the big question, and something I want to talk about as it relates to what is the church, is, well, what is the Spirit doing in me? I mean, it's mysterious. You say, that's kind of weird. I mean, the Holy Spirit of God is in me. What's it doing in me? Well, there are four things that the Holy Spirit is doing in you. I'm going to spend time talking about this, and then we'll be done. Four things. First of all, giving you life. Secondly, transforming you. Thirdly, directing you. And fourth, empowering you. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. This is why you can live a life that God offers you and you can someday, before you take your last breath, look back over the course of your life and say, I lived well. I have no regrets. Four things, giving you life, transforming you, directing you, and empowering you. First of all, the Holy Spirit gives you life. I don't just mean helps you to continue to breathe or your heart to beat. I mean gives you meaning. In purpose, righteousness. Romans 8:11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, God's spirit, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. John 6:63, 6, it is the spirit who gives life, the flesh is no help on your own. So if you did not have the Spirit of God in you, then you are left to relying on your own capacity, your own ability, your own desires, your own passions, and that is not going to lead you to life. The Holy Spirit in you gives you life. Not only that, the Holy Spirit transforms you. Raise your hand if you want a little transformation. If you you know there's something in you that needs to change. I know that's true of me. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, who is Jesus, are being transformed into the same image. In other words, to be looked more like Jesus from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Spirit of God is working in you to transform you. Now, some of you may have grown up in church environments where whenever you came to Christ, somebody expected you to immediately be completely the way God wants you to be. And that's really unfair to you. Because what we see in scripture is that the Holy Spirit begins to work on you and degree by degree turns you into the kind of person that God wants you to be. That's why in this place we're completely patient with one another. We try to be. We're we're long suffering with one another. We, We walk with one another. We don't expect you to be a certain kind of person to even be warmly welcomed into this church. All of you are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. And it takes time, right? Look to your neighbor and say, it takes time. And if you're bored, say, it takes time for this message to be over. It takes time for us to be transformed. So um, I have, uh, over the years, last few years, enjoyed, enjoyed doing triathlon. But I'm kind of in a new season of finding... Uh, exercise routine that works for me, and so recently what I did was I got a membership at 24 Hour Fitness, and, um, and so uh, I, uh, it's been a lot of fun to find a new gym and to, to go in and experience kind of new culture. Every gym has its own kind of culture, and uh, it's interesting because I go in there, and there are, are times where I go in there, and I, um, I'm so committed to being healthy that the thought goes through my mind well, if I just work out an hour longer, then I'll be at the level of fitness I want to be. Is that is that even remotely true? No, absolutely not. What is true about me going in and exercising is that it takes a little bit of exercise every day to change incrementally. It takes time for our bodies to change and exercise. In the same way, it takes time for you to be transformed spiritually into the kind of person when people look at you, they say, wow, that's a great reflection of Jesus Christ. It takes time. So be gracious to yourself. And some of you have grown up again in homes where there was a lot of expectation. And so you felt like you never sort of met the standard that your parents or whoever was in authority over you laid out for you. And so you had this nagging sense of never good enough. You need to be gracious to yourself and understand that it takes time for you to be transformed into the image of Christ. It does. But it won't happen without the Holy Spirit in you. You can, without the Holy Spirit, manage your moral behavior. And that happens, it's very true. You can manage and sort of intellectually understand why it might not be good to have sex with somebody other than your spouse, you can manage that morality. But it is only the Holy Spirit in you that begins to transform the part of you that wants to have sex with somebody that's not your spouse. Now, speaking of transformation, there's our part in transformation and there's the struggle in transformation. Our part, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 13 is that we must put to death the deeds of the body. So you cannot expect, okay, I have the Holy Spirit in me. Now I'm just going to wait until something changes. No, you have an active role in putting to death the deeds that are against God, that are wrong, that will lead to your spiritual death. But you must understand that you have a role in your own transformation. I mean, part of you sort of taking your role is attending this and coming here. Reading your Bible and praying. Being held accountable by a close friend or your spouse. And oftentimes we feel the struggle in transformation. Anytime you recognize where you are and where you want to be, there is a struggle. There's a tension. Sanctification takes time. Paul the Apostle said these words in Romans chapter 7. For I do not do the good I want. But the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Do you hear the struggle there? So in transformation, there's this process that happens where the Holy Spirit is in us. We do our part by putting to death the deeds of the flesh. And we recognize that there will be struggle and it will take time. If you don't feel any struggle in your relationship with God in terms of like wanting to be somewhere that you are not yet, then there may be a problem. It's good, that struggle, that tension. So the Holy Spirit gives you life, it transforms you, and it directs you. Everybody look to your neighbor and say, it directs you. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Romans 8, chapter 6, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, which we talked about, leads to death, doing the things of the flesh, which would be sort of things that you would know. Like, you know, there's sexual sin and there's... Um, lack of self-control kinds of sin there's greed, there's pride there's you know, all these things that you really easily sort of fill in the blanks for but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace so when the Holy Spirit directs you, although it may not be easy and certainly there could be struggle two things that will happen is that you'll experience life and you'll experience peace so how do you need the Holy Spirit to direct you in this next season of your life? How do you need the Holy Spirit to direct you? Is it a career decision? Are you thinking about changing careers? Is there something in your job that you need the Holy Spirit to direct you on? A business deal that you could make? And you say, God's interested in that? Absolutely. He wants for you to experience success in your business because that is one way that uh, you can enjoy God and experience his blessings and also one way that you can learn the joy of being radically generous so that other people can hear the gospel. There's something in job, maybe schooling. Some of you are still in school. Maybe you're wondering, where am I going to go next after I get this degree? What about relationships? Some of you are dating a person and you're wondering, should I marry them? What does God want me to do? And you're going to rack your brain with that question. And you'll have to get to a point where you take a step of faith because there are no easy answers in relationships for sure. But you want God to direct you. You know, some of the things that we pray about as a church and need God's direction on are uh, how should we think about where to get involved in other parts of the world? When we began this church, we prayed about getting involved in another part of the world where they, had not, they did not have access to the gospel and to, to, good, to, to the message of who Jesus is. And we got involved in the Horn of Africa. And I'm glad we did because in five years that we've been involved there, the people group that we've been working among have gone from less than 2% evangelical Christians to now they're, um, they're above that. And we've heard reports of somewhere between fifty and 75,000 people coming to Christ because of that work. Well I'm glad that we listened to the Holy Spirit there He directed us, we got involved And now we get to celebrate that As a part of what God's doing through our church Where do you need guidance? What is it? If you're there and you, some of you are taking notes Maybe you have a comment card Maybe you just want to write down that comment card This is where I need guidance So you can be thinking about that Do you know that the Holy Spirit can direct you? It's not always writing on the wall of, okay, this is what I should do. But certainly we want to ask God, God, speak to our hearts. Help us to know where to go next. Because sometimes what we do is make decisions separate from God that seem right to a man but aren't always the best way in relationships. Is she pretty? Is she going to be pretty a long time? Well, then I should marry her. What does her mother look like? Because that's what she'll look like eventually in a job. Where's the money? I'm gonna go where the money is. Sometimes we use that kind of reasoning to make decisions on what God wants, and it may not always be what God wants for us. When we started this church, I promise you, I didn't do it because this is where the money is. And I could not even imagine our lives having not done this because God led us to do it. Somebody asked me this week, I turned 39 this week. Thank you for the birthday cards. There's still time for those of you that didn't get one in. Um, And somebody asked me, they said, uh, so you're 39. Do you have any regrets? I said, absolutely not. I'm right where God wants me to be. Absolutely not. I have a beautiful wife who loves me, right? Okay. Four beautiful kids, a home that I love, friends that we love. What do you need God to direct you on? I'm staying here for a minute because this is a very felt need kind of a piece, Do you know that God wants to lay out for you a plan? He wants to lead you. And probably where He's going to lead you is not ultimately going to be about you, it's going to be about Him. When God leads us to take a step, ultimately what it's about is Him, His glory. His fame. People who have not yet heard the gospel of Jesus Christ who will get to hear it because you take that step in your career or that step in your relationship. Some of you are looking for a, a church and maybe you're here sort of examining, sh- is this a church that I should go to? And oftentimes when people look for churches, what they do is think of the church as a product. I'm gonna go there and if I like the music, if I like the preaching and the people seem cool enough, not too weird, uh, then I'm gonna go there. But what I encourage you to do, and this is a conversation I have frequently, is find a church that's doing something for God that you'd be excited to be a part of. Find a mission that you're willing to give your life to. Because if you just want better preaching and better music, I can give you names of the best preachers in the country and help you find musicians who are leading some of the most powerful worship songs in the country. So if it's about a product, a sermon and music to you, then, uh, then you're going to rack your brain trying to find the best one. And then what will happen is you'll find one and then somebody else will have a better one and you'll go over there and then you will be really wasting your time in investment relationships. So where is God directing you? Find where God is working, get in on it. Fourth thing that God is doing through the Holy Spirit is he's empowering you. Acts chapter one, verse eight, and this is the most exciting of all of them is that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. So the Holy Spirit in you gives you a power that you cannot have on your own. The Holy Spirit in you gives you a power that you will not have on your own to do what God wants you to do with the remaining days that he is going to give you. There's a film came out in the late 80s called The Bear. It's a story about this bear who was orphaned. The mother bear was killed after falling down a cliff. And the movie is this bear who's sort of experiencing life in the woods without anybody to care for him or teach him the way. Well, the, the movie goes that this bear is moving along and out from the distance, uh, uh, he, he sees a cougar. And the cougar begins to hunt him. And so he runs he, he finds himself running and he runs into a creek. The cougar, and he gets through the creek and the cougar is about to cross this creek to attack him and kill him. And the bear turns around and, and he opens his mouth to whimper. But what sound comes out is not a whimper, but a roar. A roar of a giant black bear who was behind this small bear and that cougar fled. This is like what happens when we understand that the Holy Spirit is empowering us. We're kind of flailing around, we're running, we're scared of things that might distract us or or keep us from enjoying life. We're tempted by things like the cougar is always trying to, 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 to kill us. But if we will understand that behind us, in us, through us, there is a mighty, roaring God And he will defend, protect, keep us for his great purpose. This is the Holy Spirit in you. And Jesus said something remarkable near the end of his life. In John chapter 14, verse 12, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. What did Jesus do? He healed people. He had the capacity to love people in the margins, people that were sick. He promoted and celebrated those that oftentimes were, were kept down, like the women and the children. So you'll be able to do those things. And it says in John chapter 14, verse 12, and greater works than these. Incredible. Do you know that the Holy Spirit in you empowers you to do the works that Jesus did and greater works? Isn't that mind boggling? Holy Spirit gives life, He transforms, He directs, and He empowers you. Christianity began with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God, and Christianity continues by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you might ask this question, and I'll have this as a question that begins to close my message How do I get the Holy Spirit? You might ask that question How do I get the Holy Spirit? Well, there's something that you must believe. You must understand that you're separated from God by your sin. And without a payment, we stand before God condemned. But the gospel message is that God became flesh in the form of a man named Jesus, died on a cross. Was raised from the dead. In his death on a cross, there's a mysterious exchange where our sin through faith goes to him and his righteousness through faith comes to us. We can walk in newness of life knowing that our sin is paid for. No longer are we separated from God because of our sin. This is the gospel message. This message, though simple, is oftentimes kind of screwed up because of religious rhetoric. But what I want you to know is that whenever you repent of your sin, place your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, God puts a part of him in you called the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit in you gives you life, transforms you, directs you, and empowers you. And you may not overnight be a totally different person. But over time, with the Holy Spirit's work in you, you will become more loving, more compassionate, more self-controlled, more gentle. This is what the Spirit of God does in you. And these kinds of changes must happen in you for you to live the kind of life God has for you. For you to be able to reflect Christ to your coworkers and to your family members and to your neighbors. And you say, I want that. What do I do? You know, it's amazing because it's a simple exchange in prayer of, God, I recognize my sin is before you. Please forgive it. I receive what Christ did for me on the cross by paying for my sin. And there's a mysterious exchange where you go from being an enemy of God to a friend of God, a child of God. The Holy Spirit is on you as a seal. Now you belong to the King. Many of you have already done that and you might ask, well, how do I more fully live in the Spirit? Some expressions of Christianity would begin to try to get you Stir it up with emotion so that you can feel more emotional about the Holy Spirit. And certainly the Holy Spirit Spirit and the work of God in us affects our emotions. We can't separate them out. But what I want to say to you is that for you to more fully live in the Spirit, it's not complex. It takes time. But here's how you do it. You spend time in God's Word in community. That's it. That's the secret formula. You spend time in God's word, seeing who Jesus is, learning about who he is. The Holy Spirit that is in you will begin to open your eyes to see the glory and the majesty and the wonder of Jesus. You cannot do that alone. You need to be in community. What happens in community with a group of people is that you get to learn about developing relationships with people that are broken just like you and who are being transformed just like you. You're held accountable. You are not just allowed to drift off and kind of do whatever, but you have a group of people wrapping their arms around you for your good and for God's glory. You say, I want to live more fully in the Holy Spirit commit yourself to investing in relationships with people who also want to do the same. And it's important to find a group of people that will readily admit they're broken because all of us are. One thing that I think is true about this community is that many people in this community have some kind of church background, church experience. Most people in this community have lived a season of their lives where they were really running from God and they've made terrible decisions. And now what God is doing is rescuing them and bringing them back into a right relationship with Jesus. And what we do in this community is we don't hide those areas of brokenness and darkness. We, we say, hey, that's a part of our story. And we believe that God is transforming us and we'll use that for his glory and his fame. You see, I want more full experience of the Holy Spirit. Get in community. You cannot do it by just attending a church once a month. You can't. Find a community of people, get in relationships. And in this community, you certainly being a part of this is good, but I would encourage you to take a step into a home group. We have seven home groups that meet during the week at different times. Find those home groups. I um, attend different ones um, and and just get to be a part of those conversations. It's a really powerful, very authentic, um, not intimidating kind of a time. Do you want to live the life that God has for you? If you do, then the work of the Holy Spirit in you is critical. And without the Holy Spirit in you, you will not live the kind of life God wants. But with the Holy Spirit in you, you He will give you life. He will transform you, empower you, and direct you.